Welcome to Neurodivergent Moments. Hello, everyone. I'm Abigailia, and I have ADHD. I am the autistic comedian Joe Wells. We haven't done that in a while, have we? No, we haven't. It's been uh, yeah, we've been recording the intros in studio. This is a this is a good one this week. Yes, it is. They're all good ones. We say that every week. It's all it's all gold. We're all very biased because we pick our own guests. We do it all on our own. <laughs> we guys. only pick good ones. Yeah, we yeah. only pick the good ones. Uh, yeah, we had Kayla on, and yes, uh, Kayla Allen Amiza. Absolutely interesting, interesting person. Uh, American like me, but based in yeah. the UK like me. <laughs> There's so much in common. <laughs> you both knew what track was. I was a bit confused by that. Oh, yeah. I forget sometimes when certain words come up. I'm like, yes, I follow. And people are like, I, I don't I don't understand what that I vaguely is. know what track is from uh, from the TV show Atypical. The sister does track. Which uh, is, but is yes. track more than running? Is it athletics? Yeah. So it's running. There's different like um, what is it called? not categories there's different events and tracks so you have like right. the 800 meter the 400 meter the um relay race also shot put and javelin are so is also, that what we call athletics yeah, yeah, yeah like discus all of that is track so oh, yeah i see so most of running and then some throwing things and or throwing yourself over a pole hurdles yeah. are track yeah I always think of that Doug Stanhope bit. Have you seen that way about uh, that he says that they're just the bits of sport? They're sort of throwing <laughs> something, but who too? Nobody. Just uh, just the throwing bit. I uh, I got really into CrossFit at one point and started mm. doing CrossFit competitions. And I was exp- CrossFit is the like weird running machine things. Is that CrossFit? Uh, no. no cr- well, yes, there is a running machine called the CrossFit, but CrossFit as a workout is the. Uh, is the weightlifting really fast? And then sometimes oh. you do gymnastics and the box jumps. It's real, as my boyfriend likes to point out, it's another fitness cult that I fell deep into. <laughs> but I told someone that I was doing CrossFit competitions and they're like, well, what do you do for the CrossFit competitions? It's like, well, some sometimes like you're timed and, and you'll have to do like a workout. So it'll be like, do 14 overhead presses, 26 box jumps, and that sounds um, horrible and then the rowing machine for a certain amount of time and do as many of those within like 15 minutes as possible and uh uh i was talking to paul duncan mcgarity and he's like that's not a competition that's the workout you do to get ready for a competition that's not a sport (laughs) that's training that's that's the training for the sport (laughs) and i was like yeah i guess it is yeah (laughs) um but uh, yeah, do you have the our... bleep test in America? Uh, I'm sure the bleep test has come up on this podcast before. No, what's well, the you bleep have to test? run? You have to run between two walls, and it it beeps, and the beeps get faster and faster. No, we don't it's, have it's, that. It's, it's all British people, apart from the most athletic, are traumatized by the bleep test from school. We had to run the mile, which was uh, once a year, no training. Uh, 
in uh, included, our gym teacher would take us out. We had something called the presidential fitness test, which <laughs> podcast shout out. If you listen to maintenance phase, it explains it all. And it was very traumatizing to listen to because I forgot about the presidential fitness <laughs> test. And then it's like one day a year, they take you out to the track and they're like, okay, we're going to run a mile, but there's no like warming up to run a mile. They don't show you how to run a mile. Like, mm -hmm. it's just like, go for it. And obviously like so many of us would run as fast as possible for like three minutes and then have to walk the rest of it because <laughs> you fucking didn't learn how to pace run. And we also had something called the 50 yard dash, which might be like the bleep test, but far more uh, uh, low tech where you um, ran to one side of the gym, picked up an eraser, ran back, put that eraser down, ran back, picked up another eraser and put it. You were just carrying erasers around. Right. The bleep like test is like that, but, but the, you have to, yeah, it gets quicker and quicker. So you're, you're timed. It's very, very stressful. Um, anyway, we, we should bring on Caleb because I have done the editing on this and I've kept a lot of it in. It's one of our longest episodes. Ooh, um, exciting. So stuff, and there's some good stuff on the Patreon, which we'll, I wanted to keep in the main episode. So do check out the Patreon. Awesome. But for now, here's Kayla. Wait, can we say what the, um, what the subject was? Oh, yes. We talked about emotions. We went yes. off topic a little bit and, yeah. and talked about geckos and different things. But, um, but that's okay. We started talking about emotions. It was great. All right, here is Kayla, everyone. Another fellow American in the UK. Yep. Cheers to that. <laughs> yeah, how long thank have you. you. How long have you been over here for? Um, I've been here since 2019, actually. So, yeah, almost like three years now, I guess. <laughs> um, I just came here for a master's. I got married here and I just haven't really left. <laughs> so, yeah. Fabulous. You came over just in time not to travel the UK. I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was very unfortunate. I was actually, I actually had to cancel um, a vacation to Italy, <laughs> um, like right when, like right when everything um, was getting shut down. It was unfortunate, but oh well. <laughs> what, what do you do? I yeah. realize this is going to be you talking about American things now, isn't it? This is going to be one of those shows where you. No, talk we're going to. <laughs> well, I mean, Joe, the theme is emotions, and I can't emotions, think of anything yeah. more American than that, right there. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I I I pushed for this thing because you have a fantastic book, which I've I've should say I'm very early. I just started reading it called Afrotistic, and what inspired me was there's a scene early on where the central character and her family all go to a supermarket, and there's all sorts of there's some stuff about um, uh, so she has a non-speaking brother, uh, and uh, how they express their emotions of being overwhelmed by the supermarket in different ways. And there's a sort of discussion around, you'll describe it better than me, but the, the sort of differences between her brother is able to express his emotions more openly, but she has to keep them in, but they're sort of feeling the emotions in the same way. I thought it was a really yeah. interesting scene. It made me realise I've never never read a novel or seen any fiction with a neurodivergent family in. Like, it's, it'll be yeah. one person in the family. I suppose, uh, Elle McNichols' uh, book has a sister, doesn't she? But, but um it's so rare to see that. But in real life, I know lots of neurodivergent families. Right. <laughs> Was yeah, that a sort yeah. of decision from the start that you wanted to have a, a neurodivergent family in the book? Um, yes, yes, basically. Yeah, I wanted to. Um, I, yeah, I, when I 
first wrote the book or first outlined it, I assumed that the book was going to be more family focused instead of more school focused. So I wanted to make sure there was enough like, yeah, um, representation about like autism um, um, and within the family unit. But then um, I realized that the book was more, it was more fun. It was honestly, it was more fun to write. And then I think it was more fun to read when it got a little bit more school uh, heavy. But of course, I still kept the the um, the dad and the brother as autistic too, because um, just because it's more it's like like you said, it's more authentic. Like a lot of families are like that, even if they know it or not. Like the like in the book, the mom, the mom claims she's not autistic, but like everyone thinks that she is too. But she just didn't mm. she just didn't take the assessment, <laughs> that, and that was really the only difference. Oh yeah, yeah there's lo- there's loads of people around in my my family where the, there's neurodivergence, even if it's not not diagnosed. Definitely, exactly. Is, yeah. is, if I can ask, is that is that true for your family then? Yep. Yeah, that's true for my family. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely. Um, yeah, a couple of people in my family have even admitted, like, oh, if I take an assessment right now, I'm sure I'll be autistic, too. Um, some of them are like, oh, it's probably not me, but yeah, everybody thinks that they're, they're more likely to be autistic than even me, <laughs> basically. So, um, so yeah, yeah, it's definitely true. So were you, you were diagnosed as an adult, though, was it? Yeah, yeah, I was diagnosed when I was 24. Yeah, everyone always thinks that I'm Noah in the book, and it's completely not true. So basically, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I, I was, I was not autistic. Like, I did not know I was autistic at um 15. Um, I did not know anybody who was autistic. Um, except people like my one of my teammates was. Um, people like I really distantly knew basically, but um, so I yeah, all of the boring pebbles um was more of like more of a fantasy than reality. <laughs> And you've you've had an amazing life. I I I I'm oh, reading about you, and then there are the keep you thing keep being things that I've missed and gone. Oh, and there's that as well. Can you give like a sort of um? Oh, give, us, give us your CV. <laughs> um, um, yeah. I mean, I guess like in my, I guess like just to sum up my childhood, because I think a lot of people who interview me, they actually kind of get annoyed that I kind of skip over my childhood a lot. But um, so I'll just like once as a summary. That oh no, I- we want the childhood. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. the child. Okay, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. So, um, okay, so maybe like a paragraph summary. <laughs> then, um, is that um, I my well, my dad was in the military. He was a military officer, and um, he and we lived like all over the world. Um, basically, um, most probably importantly was that we lived in Japan for six years. Um, from when I was six to twelve, um, in Tokyo and in the like a like a Hawaii type island, Okinawa, Japan for um for both three years each. Um, yeah, and then we did a lot of, we traveled so much, like, um, while, while we were there, like, we went to school in China, like, I went to, like, this exchange to school in, like, Indonesia, like, in this island and stuff, and, and so, like, it was definitely, like, a really good, um, like, foundation for me as, like, a, as a kid, I would say, um, yeah, and then I guess like people always get confused because I was um like when I, when I moved to Buffalo, like where I claim is my hometown, um when I was twelve, I actually was really good at track, um like not just like yeah like really good <laughs> at track actually like like I won like the high school New York State championship and like in when I was in middle school <laughs> basically and like um and, and stuff like that so I was just like really like I was like all American in like this one of the for English lessons this is running oh sure yeah yeah athletics right. athletics yeah <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's where I find I've always said track I thought this was like a Star Trek thing that I didn't oh, understand right, <laughs> right yeah track yeah, cool thanks for clarifying that <laughs> yeah everyone gets confused yeah so athletics um and um I ran like the 400 meter like a, like a um like a lap around the track basically like a, it's like a sprint even though it doesn't <laughs> doesn't look like it basically and um and um, so, that, yeah, that was, and then I had um, an athletic scholarship. Um, I had a lot of offers. I went to um, Miami University um, to, um, yeah, to run. And then that's usually when I start, like, my when I talk about, like, <laughs> my life. And then, like, oh, I, then I got really, 
Um, when I stopped running track, I had like, yeah, I had like, um, basically in hindsight called like a meltdown, like basically, um, in hindsight, what I was just like, I was just like, yeah, I was really depressed. I was really anxious. Um, and, um, I just got medical release from track and I just started focusing on like what I'd like to do. And that was happened to be like what I majored in, which was psychology and neuroscience. And I just kind of like, just like my special interest kind of like, just kind of kept taking me to really cool places <laughs> um, from there. I kept like, like me just being really interested in psychology kept like making me like want to volunteer in different research labs in my school, um, like volunteer at the crisis center um, locally. And then like just all of that kind of added up. So I had like internships like in different places. And then I eventually um, after I graduated, I started working at really cool places too. Um, like, um, like at Harvard at Duke um, and stuff like that. And um, uh, yeah, then I eventually got a, a Fulbright scholarship to Nigeria um and that, that was really neat everyone thinks I met my husband there but we did not <laughs> um he was in he was actually in the U.S. at the time he was in Carnegie Mellon um then even though he's from Nigeria and um and then we both met and um we both met in the year later when I went to my master's I decided not to do a, a PhD in clinical psychology um so I decided to just do to to opt out after a master's and um and um yeah, yeah that's when I met him and um, I've been here since, and I've been utilizing like cool research to do storytelling, um, primarily, and um, also do a kind of like side entrepreneurship projects because because it's fun, <laughs> basically. And um, yeah, yeah, enjoying it. So I guess that was more of like a like a half page summary of my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many little asides there that could be yeah. like whole book. <laughs> I have a I have a question because before we got on, I was listening to your interview on the podcast, which. I've just discovered today autism in black. So I want to throw oh, that sure. out. Yeah. That, that was a really good interview. And I think oh, our, our listeners might like that podcast. So autism in black, check that out. Yeah. But you talked about your diagnosis and uh, for a while, the um, uh, psychologist uh, was trying to figure out what was going on in your brain. And they were like, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. As someone who studies psychology, did you find it at all frustrating when you were like, no, 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 I, 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 I know the criteria as well. I'm pretty sure it's this. Did you, mm-hmm. did you have any challenges getting people to listen to you when you were, cause you figured out it was autism before they did. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely did. I, um, yeah. Cause I mean, just nothing was making sense what they were trying to say. Um, I had, um, like obviously, um, depression, anxiety, um, made sense, especially depression, like in waves. Basically, I don't think I, yeah, I don't think it's a uh, chronic for me, um, for depression, but yeah, anxiety is. <laughs> and, um, and, um, and autism just seemed like a lot of like the sensory, um, yeah, the sensory specifically and the executive functioning, um, I'm just saying like the, and, um, and like, just like the social um, stuff is probably, um, was probably definitely what I was relating to the most <laughs> and just like the impairment of my, of like, yeah, of how it affects my life. <laughs> Basically it was like, it's like probably for whatever reason, um, yeah, for better or for worse is like what the DSM, um, considers like, oh, this is like a clinical, um, diagnosis if it like, if it hinders your life for whatever reason, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And then, um, so I think that was definitely the, the only, the only one out of like, they were just trying to spit out like, um, complex PTSD, um, what was it called? Um, bipolar, um, two, um, and then, um, what else? Like borderline at different points. And like, none of those, none of those made sense, especially in that like final point. Like, I'm like, this, 
Yeah, I'm like me getting focused on psychology isn't really hindering my life. Like in like bipolar when they're trying to explain like hypomanic and stuff, and I I was just really confused <laughs> about um about certain aspects and different diagnoses. So yeah, I yeah I think um yeah I think knowing a lot about psychology helped and hurt at the same time because because mm-hmm. uh, obviously it didn't help too much because I mean because I mean I was obviously like st- studying like what autism was for like a really long time and and it didn't really cross my mind for like a really long time I was um yeah I, I think um I think for back from undergrad like it was just like it was just any other thing to study it didn't like I didn't go like oh wow that makes sense because like everything in the textbook every case study was about like a like just like a small child or something mm-hmm. that just wasn't like I mean yeah it just wasn't going to like like I don't think any I don't think anybody would think that that was them as an adult basically um at, at all um and any symptoms they just seems really um uh I'm trying to think of the word where they just made it seem like they really like demonized it <laughs> basically they just mm. made it it just seemed like it was like this whole like it was like the worst of the worst kind of thing it was just it was it was really bad <laughs> basically at least how it was phrased and um the textbooks I read when I had to study um it seemed like that was like oh this is like in the like this is in like the separate section, which is yeah, which is a terrible way to for anybody like any eighteen, nineteen year old to be looking at any kind of endless <laughs> basically. But so it's unfortunate, and um, yeah. And then when I was working at Harvard Medical School, like they were, we were researching autism, <laughs> and um, one of the things they were like, oh hey, we're looking for uh, we're looking for another control um um a sample. And like one of my things was like my claim to fame was that um, when I was an intern before I got the full time position, I was like uh, they needed like a control and um in like on Friday night, <laughs> and I was like oh I'll do it just being like an ambitious like intern, and and they're like oh great wow yeah the completely a completely normal control sample for autism <laughs> study kind of thing, and then I went and I was like yep yep I did it, <laughs> my brain is just like control so yeah so obviously so you've ruined the research <laughs> I know research right yeah. <laughs> yeah one day they're gonna just be like wait. <laughs> Yeah, the research isn't making sense now. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's really funny. Wait, did no, this... I genuinely, did you have to message them after this, you got diagnosed and like be like, hey, mate, you know how I was the control uh, that's that's not a good study anymore <laughs> right i never actually i've never messaged them <laughs> but um but yeah if they ask for like any follow-ups of course i'll be like oh i'm actually yeah i actually have an autism diagnosis now i wouldn't be surprised if that was relatively common actually but um um but yeah they i never actually never reached out to them again <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's so interesting that you that someone would be it's interesting but not surprising someone would be in that field and, and not but it feels like the sort of academic field is quite behind on like the sort of discussion around like experience of autisticness is that was that your was is that yes necessary? yes yeah yeah um yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, I, I wanted to be like, oh, well, to be fair, it was a few years ago, but like, no, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just, yes, it's still like that. Even here at Oxford, it's, it's yeah, it's very, um, it's kind of like behind, like kind of like an ivory tower kind of thing. And like, you're not really thinking about like, and a lot of it's like around children, around um, teenagers. So you're not really thinking about, um, um, yeah, like just like a day to day person as an adult at all. No. <laughs> Yeah, what can, this is maybe a, a heavy question, but what can be done to, it feels like there's sometimes a bit of a, particularly in the sort of background, like Spectrum 10K and stuff like that, a bit of a sort of uh, pushing against between autistic voices and autistic autism activism, neurodiversity movement and the academic world. What, yeah. what do you think can be done to sort of like calm those 
that sort of push between the two. Yeah, I'm actually going to, um, yeah, I plan to write an article about this, um, um, I don't know, like the, over the next year or so, um, with, um, there is three academics actually that, um, yeah, they're definitely more academic than I am, basically, because I'm still in the field, um, and um, that I worked with in my book that um, we're part of, like, part of, like, some uh, additional three people that are um, were interviewed in the book, and um, yeah, they all had a, a lot to say, and I had a lot of opinions just from me, like, kind of being in and out on both sides basically um and um yeah it's definitely just inclusion basically at least just like at least like because a lot of it's just like i mean i, I just it's hard to it's it's unfortunate but you just have to be like okay well the first step is like um is um reaching out <laughs> to like autistic adults and it's a lot of that stuff hasn't happened for a lot of people um and i think that that needs to happen i think that's yeah um i think um after like we get some focus groups <laughs> and um, some data on like what happens in these interactions, um, um, yeah, then we can probably go into the next steps. But like um, and then, but um, I think the, the first step is definitely just like everyone needs to speak about like about yeah, like what like what the research from like ten years ago has impacted like today's eighteen year olds basically, um, and um, how is the research. Um, for today's 10, 10 year olds what are what are like these 18 year olds now what do they think is going to impact them now like how do we like make like the community that they're trying to serve how do we make like their life like generally like yeah sincerely like yeah like better not just like oh how do we help the parents basically or something like that mm-hmm. um so I think yeah I think um because they do that for all the other conditions like so it isn't it's not it's not a hard ask really <laughs> um it's just like the funding for whatever reason is getting poured in and more of the medical model, which is, yeah, it's, it's, it's annoying. Um, but um, yeah, I think that really needs to happen. Um, so people, yeah, people can realize like, oh, wow, this is like a, an immediate impact on, yeah, on one person publishing that vaccine causes autism. Just look, what's, look what's happening to, yeah, people who are growing up in this kind of, yeah, in this kind of false narrative wave. Um, instead of going like, oh, whoops, sorry, <laughs> now we're better, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, so I think, um, yeah, I think that would be, I think that would be helpful just to kind of for people to see. Uh, we don't really, yeah. At least, yeah. What in my the labs I was in, we yeah, we didn't really do that, and for especially for autism. So how do they? Because it always feels like it's like what's. I guess a lot of the controversy for me is like what's being researched. A lot of the research seems to be like cause of autism rather than like how do we make environments more inclusive. Blah blah blah. Um, who how who decides what research get like what is researched um it's usually like funders like yeah it's hard to, like I, I always probably they going like oh big donors basically and stuff but yeah it's basically that like there's people that um that put in a lot of money to um sometimes it's governments to the like i, I always like i swallow oxford a lot be like oh we got like this like yeah five million dollar grant from yeah the um the um the british council to 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 work on this basically um it's usually like a really big um like a really big um yeah, a high level, like huge impact issue kind of thing. And it could be like, oh, it's a, and like, I'm sure like 15 years ago, it was probably like to prevent autism or something like mm-hmm. stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that's what it was, but like, like it's always something like really, really quick and like going like, and people just get people to go like, oh, well, kind of thing. Like what a, what a great cause kind of thing. And um, so I think that's, yeah, that's usually where, <laughs> where especially, yeah, yeah, in the UK, especially, but in, in the US too, a lot of, and and of course, like a lot of, um, a lot more funding goes into medical medical research um and then maybe like uh, um social science research in general um so right. um 
so I mean, there's only so much medical research can do to be fair. <laughs> um, so I think that's, I think, I think, um, I think a lot of donors and funders want to be like, oh, well, before you, before you look at um, like, oh, how, like, yeah, how we can, um, like how they're like, yeah, how we can like help, help um, adults like in, in society, like, oh, let's look at the causes of this kind of thing. I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to like, um, <laughs> um, yeah, like humanize <laughs> um, like the a really bad issue, but like, I wonder if that's what's going on too. Um, That's really and, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because I never thought about it. Because one of the things I, I used to work in um, in education and, and one of the th big things for us was transport and like I, that if I could fund any research, it would be how to make public transport more accessible um, Oh, sure. and what things Yeah. would work. And like, I guess this, so that wouldn't be a medical thing. They would have, that would be social science. There'd be less money behind Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. There'd Wow. definitely be less money behind it. Yeah, I'm not going to get my funding research any, <laughs> my research funded anytime yeah, soon. you could. Yeah. You know, just be rejected a few times before you do. Basically, <laughs> yeah. At this point, I'd like to remind our listeners to donate to the Patreon so we'll yeah, have yeah. enough money to fund social research for autism and other <laughs> neurodivergencies. Yeah. Oh gosh! So, what what research are you are you working on? Any specific research now? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah, I'm basically out of academia now. Okay, <laughs> cool. um, yeah, so I'm just mainly um, I'm working with. I started a nonprofit, so I'm doing stuff around that. Um, mainly, most of the projects are related to um, some of the small projects in Nigeria, and then also um, like a, around uh, my book. Basically, I'm um, around my um, book to to be released. <laughs> basically, the autistic and black book, um, where um, yeah, I'm just trying to make a fund for it, so people who like maybe don't feel like buying a book would like donate to to everybody in the um. in that's featured in the book all the autistic people who are featured in the book and um yeah yeah so those are my yeah those are my current projects <laughs> <laughs> so what are you got go ahead joe well, you do it you do it you go yeah i was gonna ask okay oh, keep doing it so let's do a clean start no i feel like your question's gonna be better now there's pressure on my question i'm just <laughs> like <laughs> i was gonna ask about about the projects in nigeria i i'm i'm i have to go oh sure i know nothing about about sort of about nigeria what what's um uh What what's the sort of how is the conversation around autism different there to the UK? Oh, it's um non-existent for for the most part in in, in Nigeria. Actually, it's um yeah. I was actually talking to one of my friends who's yeah who's really cool. Like um she's a world scholar now. She was like, "Let's have for me now." Um, but like we met in Nigeria when I was a Fulbright scholar, and um and um yeah, it's just non-existent in her home country. And um she's a psychiatrist um or or well, I'm a medical doctor basically to be fair. And um she yeah, it's just something that they don't really know about. The LA person doesn't really know about. And uh, and if they do, it's just more really it's demonized. Basically, it's just like oh, like your child is possessed. Yeah, basically. Um, and um, and yeah, and they do what the resources they have, which is usually because there's like apparently like out of like the millions of people who live there, there's like there's like sixty or just something like really really terribly small number of psychiatrists in, in the whole country kind of thing. So like people do what they have, like in spite of that. which is like, yeah, go to like a community leader, which is, yeah, it's a really religious country. So it's either a mosque or a church. Um, um, and um, yeah, and then, yeah, I pray for them um, or I get like, yeah, depending on what the community leader says and like try to get help that way. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, I think, yeah, I haven't worked too much within the autism space in Nigeria, um, to be fair, except recently with my book, I interviewed um, two people, one who was doing like a, um, like um, a, a cause in like a really, a really um, like a, in a Northeast Nigeria, where it's really, um, it's really heavy with um, terrorism actually, as I said. 
um, with like displaced um, youth. And like, she was really working heavily with um, um, disabled individuals. And um, she even admitted, like, I don't really know what autism is, but I know like from what you were saying, Kayla, it seems like a lot of people have autism in the, um, in, in, um, in the, in the youth and where, yeah, and we're yeah, Mrs. Yeah, can you help us help him basically and um and stuff and um and here's what we're doing so far basically and stuff, um and then also like a person who's undiagnosed autistic in like one of the in the capital area in Nigeria too, um so we, so I talked to I talked to them but most of my projects have been around like just overall mental health in Nigeria, um and um like yeah for example like I had a, a mental health grant where we where we got like um stable electricity, stable internet access and, and computers um in this like um in this area where um where displaced youth were able to um like kind of access um therapy and other like another support basically for um for several months um for free um to um just to kind of help them survive like like cope through like um, like the peak of the pandemic at the time basically and um, we've done a lot of like follow-up studies about that. Um so that's that's probably my biggest projects and all my yeah my other projects are involved around um yeah my husband's family has a school um in like a rural area in Nigeria too so we um so we do a lot of initiatives there um to um yeah to increase like um to like to get more books in the school to get more like yeah to get more computers and stuff like that um and to like spread more mental health awareness and just yeah and just general like um adult life awareness basically um outside of outside of school um I think that's yeah, primarily what I do in Nigeria. That's incredible. That was that was that wasn't even included in your bio at the start. If I did that, that would be my main thing. I'd be opening with that. <laughs> that sure. That's incredible. You're doing so much stuff. Um, yeah. Abigail, what was your question? I totally forget it now. <laughs> <laughs> that is extremely relatable. <laughs> that's my ADHD moment. I was like so listening, and then I was like, "Oh fuck, I forget." It'll come back eventually, though. It'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> but like going a little bit into the theme of like emotions, do you find that like as an autistic person that uh, other people have trouble reading your emotions or understanding how you feel? Because that's a thing that me and my partner, my partner is autistic ADHD and <clears throat> he, uh, he just has a very level way of saying stuff, even if it's a bit of a catastrophe. And sometimes he'll say something to me and I don't react big. And it's like, well, you didn't, you didn't react big when you told me. So I didn't react big. And, and, and then there's this moment where, where he's afraid that I'm not taking what he said seriously and mm-hmm. vice versa because he has such a that, that like that's specifically a Tom thing. I'm not saying every autistic person has that sort of uh uh like delivery or or mindset, but do you have do you let me ask a question cleaner. Do you feel like people don't understand your emotional arc in a way that sh- they should? Yeah. I don't think I asked that any better. No, no. Um <laughs> No, I think it was good. Yeah, I mean, I'll answer the way at least I, <laughs> I understood it, but I think I, I think I understood it well actually. But um, my answer to that is um, yeah, I think so. I'm I'm just starting to like wave the white flag and go like, yeah, I think so. It's not just everybody being mean. I think it's just that like some people don't um don't um like some of them. I think a lot of people are also mean too, but some people like just don't actually don't actually think that um that yeah they don't actually they don't know what I'm feeling. They don't um for whatever reason um. 
like my emotions are coming through but i always get into debates about like this with my, my husband my family members and stuff like my mom and stuff like because like they'll um like somebody would do something and like to me it's like extremely obvious like i know that they wouldn't do this to anybody else they wouldn't just like not invite somebody else <laughs> kind of thing that like they're supposed to be their friend to this thing or something like that and um to me it's like a really obvious thing that they should be offended like that i should that they should know i'm offended um even if i'm not like talking um about it and then um yeah and i'll just be mad about it just think that they're a bad person for a while and that's when i get into debates with my family about like <laughs> about is it, is it me or is it them kind of thing and then um and then yeah eventually like if it repeats i'll like confront it they're like oh no i didn't know i didn't know yeah the, it's like it's like almost the it's almost like 100 percent the response like oh i didn't know you're feeling that way i'm so sorry kind of thing and it it frustrates me because i feel like it's it's just i feel like it's um i feel like they're lying basically i feel like that it was just like a it was more gaslighting um on the back especially yeah but it keeps it keeps happening so i wonder like okay maybe like maybe everybody looks at maybe some people are right that um that i need to kind of like i need to kind of um i need to just not assume that people are that people know that I'm upset just by like looking at my face or by like understanding my silence basically. Um, so yes, <laughs> I think I maybe possibly <laughs> um, that um, people aren't understanding my emotions, but at the same time, I think, um, yeah, I, I do wonder if, um, if um, I don't know if um, people are thinking that I'm more like, like um, oh, what's it called? Um, just more like I don't know, like tough girl <laughs> um, than mm -hmm. than than I am. Um, possibly, possibly, I don't know. <laughs> so when you say it keeps happening, like so, like say you won't get invited to something, and you're upset. So what I'm hearing is your reaction is is a bit of silence. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. 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 It usually is. Um. And like, keep... like, yeah. This, this is, is my face. Yeah. Yeah. This is what gets me about it. Is it keeps happening. So no one has been like, oh, when Kayla does this, it means this. Exactly. That's, that's when in my head, I'm like, that's no longer. You've expressed what happens when you feel this way, and no one's re retained that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, my point is not your fault, Kayla. Not your fault. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I will. I will send that recording some. <laughs> yeah, we can't mediate any family disagreements. I'm afraid. <laughs> but if we did, we're always on your side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Do, do do you feel that you can read other autistic people? But is that neurotypical people reading you, or is that uh, do you think um, it? Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, it's mostly neurotypical. Um, yeah, honestly, most of my autistic um, encounters have been online or on on Zoom too. Uh, actually, um, uh, I guess for the most part, actually. Um, so I think I'm. I I think autistic. I, I think other autistic people we. Um, we communicate similarly, but I'm still not used to it. I've noticed, <laughs> especially when it's just online, when it's on social media. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I realize I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Um, even if they're kind of like just mirroring how I text, I'm not really. I'm not really understanding. Like if if this person actually, yeah, is skeptical about me or likes me or yeah, kind of kind of thing. Um, for example, and um, so it's almost the same thing. But yeah, usually on Zoom, I think I yeah, I feel better with autistic people. Mm. I found that when I, I need to not say anything, but I, <laughs> yeah, when I used to work with, with young autistic, I would often find that I would be, to me, it was obvious what people were feeling and saying, and then there'd be professionals going, well, what, what, what's, what's the problem here? 
And it was usually, well, they're telling you what the problem is. You know, they're just not. Uh, what was it Pierre called it in the last episode? Doing the doing the face or not the last episode when people listen to this, you know, people don't, people, I think neurotypical people need you to do the face with the emotion. Don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That was the thing. Again, going back to my own relationship with Tom, uh, for a long time when we started dating, by the way, we've been together for eight years now. I just wasn't sure if he liked me. Like we dated for a while and I was like, Oh, this is a fun thing, but it'll probably fizzle out. Cause I was like, very like, like outwardly like uh, like emotional towards him and like sharing a lot of my feelings with him and he was just always like "Uh uh-huh and I was just like (laughs) "Uh, okay I I mean he's he's always spends time with me but he doesn't and even now sometimes I'm like let's let's do a sharing thing where we we say nice things to each other and he's like I that's not something I can do and it's taken me a long time to like respect that and when i say respect it i tried to do it last night so i still haven't <laughs> <laughs> i've been gone for a week and i'm like i miss this about you and i miss this about you and i miss this and i'm like what did you miss about me and he's like uh you're just really nice and the snuggles are good and i'm like what else <laughs> yeah that's relatable <laughs> yeah yeah sometimes yeah it's definitely a personality thing um for yeah for some of my relationships too. <laughs> yeah, that like I, I could be over I could be the over expressive one or the under expressive one expressive one is really it can be really confusing <laughs> yeah yeah for sure because I guess that there's because you've lived in like Japan America Nigeria Britain they're sort of countries oh, sure, yeah. where there's very different cultures around emotions yeah. is that fair to say yes like what how how was that as as well for sort of being autistic and also going from different cultures where people express emotions in very different ways. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the, the starkest one is probably um, Nigeria compared to the U S and UK. It's definitely a lot of things are behind, like not behind the scenes, but behind the words, basically like um, they'd be like, Oh, Hey, just checking on you kind of thing. And, um, and it, it usually means like, Hey, like you're, yeah, you, you're supposed to, um, you're supposed to help me out with this. Um, <laughs> like, um, in oh, two hours. Like, <laughs> and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm doing great. How are you doing? <laughs> and um, so I would kind of miss a lot. And that, and that just kind of, it's never like, Oh, Hey, how, how is, and then, yeah. But if I, yeah, if I were to, yeah, even like with my husband today, if I would be like, oh, hey, how, like, how is, how's it going with this that you told me that you're going to help me with? Because I guess not, it's a little bit too, like, in your face, <laughs> basically. Um, and that comes out more of aggressive, even if, like, you say, the more, you could say, like, the most polite American way possible, it comes out more aggressive in Nigeria um, compared to just going, like, oh, hey, how's it going, basically. Um, so that's definitely. That's interesting. Because I yeah. always, I always assumed that Britain was sort of king of passive aggressiveness. Right? But, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Right? No, yeah, no, they got nothing on. Yeah, they got nothing on oh. West Africa. Yeah. I didn't know that. Wow. With um, yeah. yeah, I thought we could do passive aggressive better than anyone else. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's just my family. <laughs> yeah, the UK has been yeah similar too, but not as extreme. But there's definitely been like that. Um, yeah, that irony humor <laughs> that I don't really understand. Um, sometimes, um, like um, I feel like some jokes read as like um a little bit too self-deprecating sometimes and i and i'm not sure if it's a joke <laughs> or not and i i think that's a really common american living in the uk <laughs> the phenomenon we're like wait wait is he actually joking <laughs> or is he like or is he crying for help <laughs> we're, not, we're not really sure <laughs> yeah so i think that that humor also has been yeah has been hard to decipher sometimes <laughs> 
yeah that i can relate to british people i think that like yeah i think that's the sort of starkest thing between britain and america is that americans are sort of proud of themselves and confident whereas we like to sort of at least perform doing ourselves down i think yeah, yeah. Well, that's what you do. I'm sorry. I've, well, I've, got a bone, <laughs> I've got a bone to pick with the UK culture. Because <laughs> you guys are always like, oh, you know, we're just here and oh, apologizing. And, oh, just little Britain. You freaking owned the entire world at one point. <laughs> right? And, yeah. Like, that's how you did it. You're like, oh, I don't want to make a much of a kerfuffle as you just <laughs> yeah, took over. I don't want to make a fuss, but. <laughs> Indies. Yeah. And then it was like. But we own India now. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But not a big deal like but that's <laughs> you you guys are sneaky you're sneaky i think i think that's probably yeah. a fair comment yeah i would take that i agree, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, so how like i guess there's that sort of with what like autistic expression emotions and then you're also sort of um there's so many different factors isn't isn't there so of what, what's acceptable do you feel that like autistic emotions the way autistic people, this is obviously we're talking very generally, but autistic emotional expressing, that's not a word. But um, is it more acceptable in different different cultures, do you think? Uh, that's really hard for me to answer. Um, yeah, I think I think technically it might be. Well, I, I, no, yeah, it's really hard for me to answer because it's just like I live in different places, different places, different points in my life, basically, mm. uh, especially thinking about the UK. Like I'd be like, oh, it's a lot more acceptable here, but like I'm also more confident myself, you know. So it's a lot. Right, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. So it's hard to. So yeah, it's hard to get that third variable out, honestly. For yeah, to be fair, um, but yeah, I would like to say that I think it's yeah, I think I'm a little bit more myself here and I feel more accepted to be my myself even with just like a, a person on the street but I have yeah uh, if somebody could move from the UK to the US and and completely disagree with me and to be completely fair um and that's such an academic and... answer like we need to have a control <laughs> sample for this I know right yeah we need to remove this third variable <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um and then and then Nigeria was it was different. I actually wrote about it in the book, in the, the book that's coming out by JKP. Um, yeah, that um, like I had like a whole conversation with my friends. I was always I was always seen as like this like foreign American before anything else. Like it was like, oh, Kayla doesn't like to wear jeans unless they're like seven sizes too big. That's what Americans do. <laughs> it was just like, it was just like it was just like the Americanness of me. Um, and I don't think anybody. Yeah, I think me being like like from somewhere else like definitely outweighed like any idiosyncrasy yeah idi- idiosyncrasy about me like yeah and the on the spectrum at all like autistic at all like it was just yeah I don't so it was hard like it's hard to be like oh I was treated differently there but I think it was mainly because yeah I had an accent <laughs> than um than um anything else I think once people heard my accent they just thought that that was yeah any any way I talked any behavior was because of where I was from <laughs> with my accent honestly so yeah it's another thing that's hard to sell so yeah. you sort of one thing first and then, yeah, people sort of view as this thing before anything else. Yeah, yeah, basically I would just misrepresent America, basically, like, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we also don't make eye contact. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, culturally, you got to think, like, in, in certain countries, like like you said, in, in the UK, you feel pretty accepted, but it also probably depends on where you land within that that country so if like we're talking about like say like you're working in academia academia you live in oxford people are a little bit more turned on to the conversations about neurodivergency than if say you lived in like a small town where people 
aren't talking so much about like mental health and neurodivergency, like just thinking about my own family. And I haven't lived in, in the States now for eight years, but I think chats around ADHD would be very different in New York, where I used to live to sure. say Greenville, Ohio, where I'm from. Yep. That is a yeah. very small town. Yeah. I was supposed to ask where you're from actually. Yeah. 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 I grew up in Ohio. What about you? What part of the States did you grow up in? Um, I grew up in a suburb off, off of um, Buffalo, New York. Oh yeah. Um, that's right. You yeah, said New small, York. But not like super small. Yeah. yeah. But even, I mean, I just, because I lived in New York city in my head, all of New York state is quite turned on and uh, uh no no <laughs> no not the case not the case at all but yeah we got some yeah we have we have greenville's in, in new york state <laughs> yeah basically. yeah uh but yeah it's interesting because it's yeah i think it depends on the uh the level of exposure in conversation people are having around neurodivergency because i mean mm-hmm. even before i got diagnosed and my partner got diagnosed and before Joe and I started this podcast, like I feel like no one was talking about it. And now I feel like everyone's talking about it. But, yeah. you know, of course, I'm I'm seeking out these conversations. I'm seeking out um, these articles, these books all about neurodivergency. Sure. Whereas then it's like I go and talk to Tom's extended family and they have no clue about the research and what's out there. And I'm like, well, well haven't haven't we all been? reading about this it's autism right, yeah. awareness month did you not know, you not <laughs> I know, know? Right? yeah yeah the social media can easily fool you too like once like yeah like yeah the social media especially instagram twitter they love following our special interests too so like you just think like the entire world is talking about this yeah exactly <laughs> it's so confusing when people aren't <laughs> exactly yeah, I understand. <laughs> that always happens when there's an election isn't there sort of you go i can't believe that party won because everyone on my social media yeah. is yeah. going the other way so who's yeah exactly i'm like wait yeah who voted for this person I'm like, yeah exactly i do that too i'm like how does that happen <laughs> Yeah, I remember one time going on stage and making opening with a joke about Elizabeth Warren on in the primaries, mm-hmm. this last election cycle. And I was in Brighton and the entire audience just stared at me. <laughs> and I just walked off stage and I looked at the MC and I was like, I thought that was a really good joke. I'm surprised they didn't go for it. And he was like, they don't know who Elizabeth Warren is. They don't know who she is. And I was like, oh, it's not everyone reading right. the election. Just like. Yeah, no, in the primaries too, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, does not everyone know the 12 primary candidates? <laughs> I'm yeah. sitting quietly because I don't know. I'm not sure if I, I think I vaguely know she's a Democrat. Is that yeah, right? yeah, yeah, she is. Yes. But yeah, I couldn't tell you any of her political views. She was like Bernie Sanders light. She really straddled right. the yeah. line between Bernie and Biden kind of perfectly. <laughs> I, I was quite a fan there. Of course, it didn't work out. But uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? Isn't there, a, isn't there a jewelry brand called Elizabeth Warren? Isn't that the jewelry from Argos? I don't know. But now I have to look this up. We mustn't Google things, so the, let's, let's Google it quickly. Um, <laughs> Argos, what's the Argos jewelry called? Elizabeth uh, Duke. Elizabeth Duke, oh, that's what I'm using it with, yeah. Um, okay, it wasn't completely off. <laughs> yeah, just by the entire last surname. But good, <laughs> yeah. Good go. Good go. yeah, I could have confused her with the Queen as well. But... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, we do. We yeah, America. We do. We do think that like everybody knows. Everybody knows everything that's going on in the U.S. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I remember when I was working here in the U.K., everyone would be like talking about like some. It seems like a really prominent recent history in in the U.K. And everyone's expecting me to know about it. I was like. <laughs> it was like yeah. all I got is Brexit for you. That's all I got. <laughs> That's all I know. That's the only thing I can add to this conversation. I'm sorry. We're really ignorant in the US. <laughs> I suppose a lot of American cultural things do do come over to the UK, don't they? But I think just the um the sort of the smaller players in the political arena don't don't sure. come over. Yeah, I mean, more so American culture. Like that's the thing I get asked about a lot in comedy. If I had to change a lot. And I'm like, British people know so much about American culture. There's not too much you have to change. Where I haven't performed at home in in years now, but I feel like I would have to do a lot of rethinking about mm-hmm. my own comedy because a lot of it like is based on like I'm, a, I'm an American who lives in Britain and a, British people will understand my subtle jokes about being an American on a train where I feel like Americans, if I talked about the British train system, they'd be like, I, I don't understand what you're talking about. Like, why? <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah. Well, one of my experiences around um, sort of emotions and autisticness w- w- was sort of having to hold back on stuff that bothered me, that made me sad, but that I knew other people didn't, didn't bother people and didn't make people sad. Is, yeah. Has that been your experience as well? Do you feel like you have to sort of hold back on stuff that you're angry or sad about? Um, yeah, I, I guess, um, I think that might, that might be, a. um, I wonder if it's like a, I'm doing a third variable again. I wonder if it's like um, a woman privilege for me because, like, I think I can get away with maybe a little bit more than you could, Joe. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, about like, yeah, about, yeah, about just, yeah, kind of, yeah, crying about like, no one understands me, like how my cat <laughs> did kind of thing or something like that. I think I can get away with it a little bit more <laughs> um, um, in like in, in groups, um, especially with my family and stuff um then yeah then like my brother could um without like raising alarms or like feeling like you had to like talk about it um differently um but um because yeah it's, it's also because I, I think it's just like yes but no um basically I think I do like some things I can get really I get really like focused into and um and like yeah any injustice towards that um really bothers me like more than it would or early or sooner than it would bother other people basically I've noticed can you two both give me some examples of that? Like uh, uh, Joe and Kayla, like what are some things that might um, cause you to be a little bit emotional that you don't see other people understanding in your lives or that you're afraid to share, as you said, Joe? Well, I think I was a, like, I guess that that sort of similar justice thing. I always, There were things that would really upset me. Um around I remember when I was a kid being really upset by someone treading on a bug and uh like just it really really bothering me and really upsetting me and not everyone else was like well it doesn't matter but it like really really upset me um yeah and and I guess just sort of sensory things of of you know like I feel really overwhelmed and I guess not upset but like just worn out by you know three hours in a pub i can't i can't do that um but uh certainly when i was a teenager mm-hmm. i couldn't say that because it's not cool to be like 
the pub's too noisy. I want to go and mm. sit, <laughs> sit somewhere quiet. Really Can we go to a nice coffee shop? Um, yeah. But yeah, what about you, Kayla? Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. I want to take your answer now too about this. Yeah, <laughs> about yeah, about like oh, let's go, let's go hang out. Because like of course, of course, like I was just talking about like how I always get set when I'm not invited. And so like you know, the one time I am invited, I'm like I'm supposed to be like all grateful, but I'm like like oh gosh, do we really have to go to this or that place? It's too loud. Um, and this is what I feel in my head. But I, of course, I yeah, I don't. I don't feel comfortable going like, oh, can we go to yeah, yeah the library instead or something? I just yeah, um, yeah. So I do, um, yeah, I, I understand <laughs> with that. I definitely um, feel like, especially when, especially yeah, especially before before I was diagnosed. I think, um, um, yeah, going like this is really overwhelming me was um, was seen as really dramatic. I think it is honestly, honestly, I see, I still see it like that way now but i think i've i've just had a little bit more confidence to just like now i just don't go to it <laughs> basically it's just, it just one of my things i just don't do instead of like trying to do basically um um but um but yeah especially back then um before i was diagnosed i would i would try every once in a while and i would feel really uncomfortable like like you were saying with um telling everybody that the lights were the, the strobe lights were just ridiculous to me <laughs> and stuff and yeah it felt like that was just too yeah, yeah, a little bit too too dramatic, or I felt like everyone was feeling like that, but I was just the only one that's not getting over it, basically. Uh, there's an ongoing sort of joke about the the, the restaurants that I want to go to because my favorite restaurants are always the quietest restaurants, but those quietest yeah. restaurants are usually quiet for a reason. And so <laughs> it was always when we would sort of talk about that's going funny. out somewhere. There's uh, it's not there anymore for reasons that will become apparent. Mm-hmm on the seafront in Portsmouth, there used to be a place called Mozzarella Joe's that was like a serviceable American-Italian restaurant but really wasn't very good. But there was never anyone in it, so I used to love going there with friends because we'd be the only ones in there. And it was nice and quiet and it was by the sea. There's not even people walking past. It was wonderful. And we could eat, you know, oven pizzas that they probably bought from Tesco. Yeah, that sounds amazing though. Actually, yeah, yeah. I didn't see a lot of my favorite restaurants have since gone out of business. Actually, so I think yeah, that's extremely relatable. Yeah, for the same reasons, just because they were empty. Yeah, I love that you you look on like Google or whatever at a good restaurant, and you're like, listen, I think this might be the one. Two stars, two stars. <laughs> no one's gonna be there. It's perfect, guys. It's perfect. I, um, yeah. They said what was it? It's called Snookies in um. Cassie. Oh God! <laughs> Used to have sort of pre-made sandwiches uh, and like a big till and uh, some sort of um, cakes and things. But there'd be it would just be me and a couple of pensioners in there. I used to love it. It was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, just again uh, to call, call back to my own relationship. Uh, I think it's because I've been gone for a while, so I'm just thinking. He's just in the other room. I could go talk to him. <laughs> but uh, with, talking about the bug thing, when I first moved to the UK, in my first apartment, for some reason, I got like a, a, a like infestation. That's the best way I can say it of 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 ladybirds, or as in America we call them ladybugs. Uh huh. And they all kind of congregated in this one corner of my ceiling. And I thought it was really weird. So finally, I got rid of them. And uh, Tom came over. He's like, well, where'd the ladybirds go? And I was like, I I mean, they're bugs. I got rid of them. And he was like, you put them in a cup and you let them outside. And I was like, (laughs) 
No, I used a paper towel and I disposed of <laughs> oh them. Oh my god! Oh yeah, that's what he, he. I mean, you thought I'd killed a kitten, like I didn't. Know, like he yeah. was so upset about uh-huh. it, and I was like, "They're bugs, and they're in the house." <laughs> and even now, like we're not allowed to, we're not allowed to kill spiders. If we see a spider in the house, it gets a name. And uh, yeah. Uh, this is going to uh, be the thing that gets us emails. We've 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 got close to the line before <laughs> on this podcast, but I think you kill it there. Just with your, I think like spray is one thing, but with your hand, I just yeah, I'm, oh, God, I'm a monster. I'm a, <laughs> listen, guys, I have I have since learned the errors of my ways, and I no longer kill bugs unless it's a mosquito because they have it coming. But uh... lady, aren't ladybirds? They they're good for they eat aphids and things, aren't they? Yeah, but it was just so many. I didn't have houseplants at the time. Apparently, they they're like seasonal. Like they'll come back to one place, and they there was just so many, and it was like kind of weird, and it kind of freaked me out. Because at first I was like, oh, a ladybird, and then after a while I was like, I felt like I was in uh, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, but it was ladybird. (laughs) Like I was like, they're gonna attack me at any moment. There's too many of them. (laughs) But yeah. It weirded me out, man. It just weirded me out. That is strange to have a lot of them in one place. That yeah, seem... that is interesting. Yeah, in a in a London apartment too. Like I don't live near like any green space really. So we I definitely don't... have entomologists who listen to this. Certainly amateur entomologists. Is that the right word? But people that know about bugs. Yeah. I hope people email it and yeah. let us know why that would uh, why that would happen. Yeah. Yeah, Indian podcasts. No, that's not our email. I don't know what our email is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, I I was um, I had uh, yeah, I, I was really in tune with nature. For someone who didn't really know too much about nature, I, I definitely, especially when I was in, I think when I was in Okinawa, it was just really tropical, so there was like all kinds of nature everywhere. Um, basically, all kinds of really yeah, really funny insects everywhere. Um, and um, yeah, I was like their best friends. <laughs> basically, you would just think I was just like yeah, it was just all like the Disney princesses, just like always just talking to the um the bugs and like any kind of strange animal outside. Um, basically, um, and yeah, it's kind of went away, but I think it was mainly just because they're just not as abundant <laughs> anywhere I've been since. <laughs> besides um in nigeria like yeah in, in nigeria like there's geckos everywhere and um and um and okinawa i love geckos or at least i was really indifferent to them i was like oh hey gecko kind of thing and like, when i was a kid i used to like just like take them and just kind of go like hi mr gecko and stuff like that um and then um yeah nigeria my husband and his family were like no 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 <laughs> yeah kind of thing they they like they just despised them and it really offended me like how much they despised them <laughs> it was the first time because it was like it was like almost like 20 years of difference about like yeah even thinking about geckos <laughs> So it was just kind of it was it was like kind of a funny um yeah just seeing like um just seeing different or just yeah different personalities inter- interact with um like otherwise like yeah like, like ladybugs like otherwise like relatively harmless <laughs> um um uh, things in the house yeah i guess so like in nigeria where geckos almost seen as like a pest like having a mouse yeah. in the house or something like exactly that, yeah. exactly yeah yeah they were very annoying to me i was like well i mean yeah the more geckos there the less the mosquitoes there are <laughs> yeah, yeah. The end, yeah. and the mosquitoes are yeah the biggest problem <laughs> so yeah to me they're they were like yeah the yeah they were usually really mutual to me as long as they didn't like yeah like crawl on me when i'm not expecting it or something <laughs> they're, they're yeah. <laughs> They sound amazing. I want to meet a gecko. <laughs> it just makes you realise that, like, yeah, one one place is pests, and another place is like exotic creature. Right. <laughs> we're, we're we're running out of time, but um, uh, 
Caleb, we ask our guests for a neurodivergent oh, moment. Uh, would you share a, a neurodivergent moment oh, with us? <laughs> um, in, in Nigeria, again, it was just, yeah, it was um, like, it's a really, they have like a really big birthday um, celebration, um, like kind of photo shoot, like dinner um, kind of um, kind of culture. And um, I, yeah, and I, I was really excited to yeah, take part in it too. On my birthday, my birthday came in like a, yeah, right in the middle of my, my grant period. So it was just like enough time to like make friends basically. Um, and um yeah, and then also like I, yeah, I, yeah, I put on a pair of jeans that apparently were perfectly fitting, and um, I was like, nope, they're too tight. I need to get something bigger. And, and then I came out with like these extremely, like, apparently extremely big pants, extremely <laughs> big jeans, and um, and everyone's like, no, <laughs> look at those two. This, yeah, those, those are way too huge. Like just because, like, and I was like, going like, oh, I just need a belt, but it's good. It's good. It's comfortable. And you're like, no, That's what <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're like, no, the original. And then I eventually showed them the original, and they're like that's that's your jeans skill <laughs> like either yeah, <laughs> yeah and i was just suffering in those photo shoot jeans i think that's probably the last time i ever wore jeans in my life <laughs> yeah so i think that i, I think i'll use that moment <laughs> awesome that's wonderful yeah, yeah. my last pair i'm of imagining jeans. like you know when you get those adverts for like slimming world and stuff like that and people just got the big jeans in front of them that's what i'm actually <laughs> <Right. laughs> and you're like the ideal pair of jeans <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds good to me. yeah that looks very perfect yeah. <laughs> Um, before we let you go, uh, Kayla, how do people find you? Uh, shout out how to find your book. What's your social medias? What where, where do people find you on the on the World Wide Web? Yeah, um, the biggest way would be to subscribe to my newsletter to um, stay followed with my books um, would be and you can follow, find that on Kayla Omeza. Um, okay, so I guess both of my names aren't, <laughs> aren't um, intuitively spelled. So K-A-L-A. O M E I Z or or Z A um, Omeza um, um, dot com. Um, you can subscribe to my newsletter there. Um, if, if not, you can just like see the homepage and then we just update when um, new books come out. I'm always yeah, I'm always self publishing books. So, like I probably do that like every year. Um, um, They'll be in the um, episode description as well for people. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. Oh, awesome. And then um, yeah, yeah, Instagram um, read by K um, R E A D K A Y um is yeah i mean if you're not into like other general books <laughs> not, maybe not the best <laughs> like not to follow but like i definitely talk about like my books too but i talk about like just just books in general too because it's what i like to do and um yeah i think those are probably the best um places or twitter these days too um k's world 456 um are um is yeah i'm getting i'm i still haven't had i still haven't done with the app but i'm definitely like trying to tweet a little bit more slightly more um these days so um yeah, so you can catch me there if I if I feel like committing to it a little bit more. <laughs> cool, cool, awesome. Thank you so well, much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. That was Kayla. That was Kayla, everyone. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Yes, um, I'm sure they did. And I hope people from all over the world, whether you're American or not, if you're neurodivergent, you're appreciating the love for incredibly large baggy trousers. <laughs> yes, that is a bit which is kept in after keeping the big trousers. Oh, yeah, that, that that's necessary and relatable. We love it so much in the UK. We've got a song about baggy trousers. Oh, do you? Yeah. Do you not know baggy trousers? The math of song. No, but that now... is uh, very. Yeah that's after the podcast i'll send you it google okay. if you're american listeners google baggy trousers by matt i feel like madness won't have made it to america they have a very british uh vibe but they have a song called baggy trousers about wearing baggy trousers and that was a hit in the uk 
Yeah, I didn't hear about them till I moved here, and apparently they have their <laughs> own music festival that they headline every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine that. All right. Um, hey, Joe, do you have a neurodivergent moment this week? I do. This is a um, what is the the social etiquette here, and I wonder if people can decode this because um, it. I didn't have a script for this and it just broke my brain. I did, um, it starts with a humble brag. I've been opening for Frankie Boyle on tour, going very, very well. Uh, I did the King's Theatre, my local big theatre. So it's a 1400 venue. I'm walking out. I'm like, I'm like a rock star. I see uh, my, my friend came to watch the show. I meet with him and we go to a pub nearby. And uh, my friend who's come to see the show says, uh, oh, I'll get, the drinks so he's i say i'm gonna have they've got like alcohol free beers i asked for one of them and then someone who saw me at the show says you are very very good you're very talented joe wells um can i buy you a drink in that situation where it's a stranger do i go no duncan's buying me my friend's buying me a drink or do i take the drink from them is it rude that i have made my friend pay for a drink when I could have got a free one from a stranger or should I have, because I said, oh no, I'm being bought one. But then I worried a lot whether I've done the right thing. I think you did because a couple things. One, uh, your buddy already went to the bar. So that transaction has been had. Oh, I should say we're, we're at the bar. So we haven't ordered yet. That's not okay. a complication. But, but, but the contract has already started. So you are right. now in what I've learned is rounds. <laughs> so <laughs> you will have to buy Duncan a drink later. Secondly, mm. and this is my thing when audience members want to buy me a drink afterwards. A lot of times if I'm already drinking, especially with a friend I haven't seen, I'll be like, oh, I'm sorted. Because once they buy you a drink, you in my mind, you have to talk to them. Yeah. You have to, so, so you have to make the decision. Do you want to have a conversation with a fan, which is lovely sometimes. It's great. Or do you want to visit with your friend whom you haven't seen for a while? I mm. think you made the right decision. Okay, that's good. I was worrying about it for the, for longer than I should have done. I'm glad I can, that's, I can use this podcast to absolve myself of the um, social go. anxieties of him. Do you have any moments? Yeah, uh, I, I think I sort of do. So um, sometimes when Tom, my uh, beloved partner, and I are communicating, sometimes I don't understand what he means, and I get really anxious about it and start asking him loads of questions to try to clarify because I don't get what he's trying to get at and and but i also get like emotional or anxious about it in this mm. same situation and that uh annoys him and what he'll say to me to my face is he'll go god will you stop being so neurotypical about this right now <laughs> and i have never felt so insulted in my life like <laughs> He he went through a phase where he was saying it a lot to me. And finally, I just had a breakdown. And I was like, that's really fucking mean to call me neurotypical. That's not what I like. We talk about is it offensive to ask someone if they're on the spectrum or if they're neurodivergent? When my boyfriend calls me neurotypical, it is like a fucking stake through the heart. I am so offended by it. <laughs> You're the opposite. That we we put up that post about um uh saying uh, saying is it uh, is it acceptable to say I think you might be neurodivergent and there were a few people in the comments saying well you don't want to offend people you don't want to upset people 
we think the the opposite could be a problem. You don't want to assume someone's neurotypical. Exactly. Upset. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And now, whenever someone's like, "You don't seem like you have ADHD," I'm like, "You're not looking close enough, are you?" <laughs> Fantastic. I love that. Um, we have some listener. Yeah, we, we do. Do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? Um, I've I've got two. I'm very excited about. So I'm going to jump in and go first. If that's okay, okay. Go for it. And the first one, we don't usually take ones which are about people's children, but this one is such a perfectly formed, uh, it's, a, it's a moment, but it was also like a perfectly formed joke that I just loved it and wanted to share. Someone said, when my son was at primary school, he came home and told me that his hand hurt while he was writing. So I said, where did it hurt? And he said, about halfway down the page. <laughs> Lovely stuff. <laughs> That's like a proper proper joke. That's amazing. I was going to say, that's almost like a dad joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like um, when at, when we were kids and we would ask our dad to move out of our way, but we we weren't very nice. We'd be like, move, and he'd just stand there and wiggle. Do a little dance, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have another one. Uh, quickly, I've had quite a few this week. Um, someone said that they often Makaton sign thank you to people. Um so the sign in Macron is, is that for thank you, I believe. Oh, the listeners won't see this, but it's like a flat palm on the lips, like blowing a kiss. So when um, you say a Macaton, you mean like sign language? Yeah, Macaton is like a sort of simplified sign language um, that has, yeah, okay. doesn't doesn't have every word in it. Because um, uh, that is, that is, um, that's American sign language for thank you. <laughs> so. Well, I, th- I think there's some crossover between, yeah. American and British Sign Language and, and Makaton, but Makaton's like a, a sort of like, um, yeah, I don't know if this is a completely fair comparison, but like, you know, like in Japanese, there's like an, another alphabet that's like mm-hmm. simplified. I think that is sort of a bit like that, Makaton. Okay, um, understood. So this, Continue. this person is only just dawned on them that when they do that to people, um, that may look like they're blowing a flirty kiss at them. So they've just <laughs> been doing this on the streets. Someone lets them go in their car and they do a, do a flirty kiss. Uh, but the reason why they weren't sure is because their method of flirting with people uh, involves telling them about uh, uh, sort of animal facts. And the most interesting animal fact is that no one knows how eels mate. And that's how they would flirt with someone, tell them about eels mating. I'm fascinated by this. I googled this. It's true. Eels, they, they, they must do it somehow. There's more eels in the world. They keep, <laughs> keep having new eels, but no one knows how they do it. How is no one... I mean... you. They have them in zoos. Is there no one paying attention? No one's really sure how they how they do it. This is also, in my Google history. How do eels mate? I Researchers really... believe they spawn via external fertilization, um, but they're not not completely sure. I love that idea of that as a chat up line. Like, hey, do you know no one knows how eels mate? You want to go <laughs> back to mine and figure it out? <laughs> That's all you need is that little flirty add-on. That's yeah. what they were doing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw that in there, and oh my gosh, you'll be ha- you'll be batting them away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I have one uh, sent yes. to us through the email. If you have a neurodivergent moment, you can email us at neurodivergentmomentspod at gmail dot com. And this is from. They said I could use their first name, but I also don't know how to pronounce this. It's C H E L L E, which I believe is Shelley, or Shelley. It might just be Shelley. I don't think it's Chile. Uh, but anyways, so uh, lovely person. Uh, 
uh, newly diagnosed autistic at 55. Uh, well, welcome. I'm happy for your diagnosis, uh, Shelly. Shelley. Um, when I was in fourth or fifth grade, nine or 10 years old, one recess, four, four of us girls wanted to go on the monkey bars, but they were being dominated by the boys. So we, in our little kid wisdom, decided to improvise. So we went to the girls' bathroom and took turns jumping off the toilet and grabbing hold of the bar above the stall and swinging on it. <laughs> And of course, one of the girls missed the grab and fell, sprawled on the floor. Don't worry, she wasn't hurt. I was certain we were going to get in trouble and didn't have any kind of script for the situation. So I, <laughs> so I just said the only thing I had ever heard when a kid got hurt doing something stupid. Now look what you've done. I hope you're happy. <laughs> Everyone laughed at me, even the girl who'd fallen. I had no idea what I said that was so funny. That's amazing. I love that this girl's been injured in the first... I would have that first thought, too, of what's the script here? What's the, what's the social etiquette? What do you say? What do adults say when a child falls? Look what you've done. I hope you're happy. <laughs> Just pulling out for the records of social scripts. Oh, this one. This is close enough. We'll do this. <laughs> we'll do this one now. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, uh, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we have a Patreon if you want to sign up. Oh, by the way, we have to do this announcement real quick. We have a book for the new Patreon yes. book club. We do. Uh, we put a little, uh, some choices for you guys to vote on. And I'll put this out on the socials as well with links to buy it. But the book you've chosen for the next book club is Thriving with Adult ADHD, Skills to Strengthen Executive Function by Phil Bossier. It is on Amazon if you want to buy it that way. And we'll most likely be doing the Patreon exclusive book club in probably a month. Mm. Yes, say, yeah. I say probably two months. <laughs> we we gotta stop promising dates on yeah. this podcast. <laughs> Remember when we started the book club and I said we should do it monthly? Remember that, Joe? Yeah, we've done we've done we're on our second now. This yeah, we've two, every three months. Yeah, we're, that's good. We're making great progress. It's we're, all good. We're doing our best over here. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Joe, do you have anything to shout out? No, no. We're up to end of a fringe this year and a few more tour dates, but that's it. Yeah. Also, real quick, Joe and I were both at MacFest, and some of you guys came to Joe's show. Some of you guys came to my show. Some oh, of you yeah, thank you. went to Joe's show and then came over to make sure you met me, and I got a wonderful hug from one of our listeners. So <laughs> thank you. That person was very excited that you were going to be. I, they came to see my show, and I was like, oh, Abigail, if you go that way, she might be there. And they yeah. ran off straight away. Oh, it was so sweet. So it's really nice to meet you guys in person. So thank you so much for coming out to support our uh, various comedy careers. And uh, we'll see you in a fortnight. See you fortnight. in a fortnight. Unless Bye. you're on the Patreon. Bye. Bye. Bye.